with a southern accent. Welcome into a brand new show and a brand new week of y'all talk all about Dixie. We've got news, we've got opinion, we've got sports. We have weather even in today's show to talk about. We've got your political talk, we've got your business talk, we've got your barbecue talk, and I know I'm leaving about a hundred other things out, but we're just glad you've tuned us in here on the show. I'm John Rawl, your host, and if you want to reach out to us here on the Y'all Show, a couple ways to do that, you can call us 803-816-1170, that's a number you can call or text, 803-816-1170. Chances are, if you're above the age of 40, you will likely be calling us, and if you're 40 or below, you will likely be texting us either way. We just want to hear from you, and I'd love to flip it around. If you're younger than 40, call us, and if you're older than 40, text us. Hey, we'll take either way. Either form of communication is welcome here on the Y'all Show, talking all about the South. On today's Y'all program, we got hashtag Hullabaloo coming up next. Got some goodies there that you don't want to miss out on. Later this hour, today marks the exactly 100-year anniversary of Sergeant Alvin C. York's incredible feat during World War I. In a battle in France, this Tennessean brought in about 150 casualties from the Germans. He killed roughly 25. He captured about 125 more Germans. I don't know if there's ever been a feat like that ever done by any one person in the history of warfare I certainly don't think it's ever been done by an American soldier. And this Tennessean, 100 years ago today, October 8th, 1918 in France, he pulled off this extraordinary feat. And we're going to salute Sergeant York. Of course, in 1941, Gary Cooper made a famous movie called Sergeant York that was all the rage. Really one of the best movies done in the glory days of Hollywood, if you ask me. He's got some really good film stars done just before World War II started. But that is a, a tremendous movie that you can check out. And in fact, you can watch it free of charge on YouTube. I, I found it there over the weekend because of the royalties and the copyright laws. It's old enough now. It, it's beyond that. So please share it with others. And if you're a Tennessean, you should be doubly proud that not only was Sergeant York a great Southerner, he was a Tennessean from Palmel, Tennessee, just around Cookville and sort of the Middle Tennessee, East Tennessee borderline, and just south of the Kentucky border is where Paul Palmell, Tennessee, spelled P-A-L-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-L, but pronounced Palmell. Did I get that right? Palmell, sorry. Kind of confusing. But hey, we're glad to salute Sergeant York here on today's, y'all. We'll have that coming up later this hour. Even we'll play the theme song from the Gary Cooper 1941 movie called Sergeant York to get you going on that segment. We'll even hear some audio from Sergeant York as he passed away in the early 60s, but we've got that in our tribute to Sergeant Alvin C. York coming up later this hour. In hour two, we'll have the latest on college football action from the weekend. We've got the latest poll numbers and who all's moving up, who all's moving down. And big weekend for teams like Mississippi State. And let's see, Texas had a big weekend. Go Horns. Hook them Horns, I should say. And then some teams fell apart. LSU tumbled big time in the poll after losing in the swamp. And other teams like Oklahoma dropped that game to Texas over the weekend. We'll tell you all about it at the start of Hour 2. And then we'll bring on Jerry Short. You know when Jerry Short comes on, there's no telling what will be discussed. And so we'll have our teller of tales from Takapola, Jerry Short, in Hour 2. 
of today's Y'all program. We take a look at what's going on around the South, and we actually have to start sadly today with something that was tragic from Sunday, and and this was an accident that happened outside of the South. It happened in upstate New York, but 20 people lost their lives when a limousine crashed on their way to a brewery in Cooperstown, New York. They were going there for a celebration of a 30th birthday, and this oversized limousine crashed, and 20 people lost their lives. So we want to keep their families in our thoughts and prayers. And this happened again in upstate New York. Now this tragedy brought to mind other vehicle tragedies where you saw a large loss of life. And some of these, if not most, have happened in the South, sadly. So let's go back and, and go down a tragic memory lane here on some of the deadliest crashes involving vehicles in our country's history. In 2005, you had a bus crash south of Dallas. 23 people were killed in that wreck. 1999, a bus going to Bay St. Louis, Mississippi crashed on Mother's Day, and it killed 22 back in 99. 1989, near Mission, Texas, a school bus collided with a soft drink truck and fell into a water-filled pit near Mission, and 21 students were killed, 60 injured back in 89. A church bus wrecked in 1988 near Carrollton, Kentucky. 24 children and three adults were killed in that bus wreck. God, that's been 1988. That's been 30 years. I remember when that happened. Back in 86, a 21-passenger bus crashed in California. You had in Branson, Missouri, a tour bus back in 1980 carrying mostly senior citizens from Dallas going to Branson, wrecked near Jasper, Arkansas, and that killed 20 people. And in Kentucky, another bus wreck. A bus carrying 48 elementary and high school students went off the road in Prestonburg, Kentucky in 1958, 60 years ago, and it lunged down an embankment into a swollen river, and it killed 27 people. And in 52... Two Greyhound buses collided near Waco, Texas. 28 people were killed in that one, many of which were soldiers and airmen in that wreck in 1952. I guess they were Korea-bound or coming back from Korea during that wreck in 52. So a lot of tragedies on the highway, a lot of buses wrecking through the years, killing so many people. And let's keep that family and those involved in upstate New York in mind with this awful tragedy from the weekend. A tropical disturbance in the Caribbean is catching everybody's attention right now. Governor Perry in Florida has already issued a warning, and this could be a major factor on the peninsula of Florida. It, it looks like it's centered up toward the panhandle of Florida at this point, but keep your eye on the Weather Channel as preparations are underway in that part of Florida, the panhandle, as well as South Alabama as the governor, Rick Scott, in Florida did issue that emergency alert late yesterday. And uh, warnings in effect in parts of Cuba and off the Mexican coast. Right now, this storm, Michael, has 60 mile per hour sustained winds and is likely to increase as it gets closer to the American coastline. If it does come into Florida as expected or South Alabama, it's going to come inward and you're going to see a lot of rain in South Georgia. In, even in South Carolina, a place that has seen its share of flooding and stuff. And, and I think this could even get into North Carolina, too. 
So all eyes right now on Michael, this tropical disturbance in the Caribbean, as it is appearing to strengthen heading in its northward path from the Caribbean right now. For the second time in 18 months, the Jewish Community Center of Northern Virginia has been vandalized. David Yaff, president of the center in Fairfax, Virginia, said 19 white swastikas were spray-painted on the building early on Saturday, and the community is in shock. But it's not the first time this has happened. And Yaff said it's getting to be a regular thing. But it looks like they have some video. It looks like one person did this in surveillance footage from the Jewish Community Center in Fairfax County, Virginia. Perhaps they can find that person and lock them away for a while. No no place for that kind of intimidation and graffiti and and hatred, if that's indeed what they are. I have no idea who it is. We'll find out. Maybe they'll be able to arrest someone. Not far, far from Fairfax over the weekend, a lot of screaming, yelling, and tears as Brett Kavanaugh was sworn in as the latest United States Supreme Court justice over the weekend after a contentious debate whether he had sexually assaulted someone in his teenage years and that was the big national story at the end of last week in the end the senators voted 50 to 48 to confirm him as the next supreme court justice and there will be an event at the white house tonight where it'll be more of a public setting for kavanaugh as the latest supreme court justice now did you see the footage of all the knuckleheads that were protesting and stormed the supreme court building went and knocked on the door and should have all been arrested. Maybe a lot of them were. I'm not sure of the numbers. But these people are the same people that are going to protest no matter what. They're going to protest. As you saw, they were saying Black Lives Matter. What in the world of Black Lives Matter had to do with Brett Kavanaugh being picked as a Supreme Court justice? You had gay rights activists out there. What in the world did that have to do with anything? Nothing. These people are the same people that are constantly looking for anything to, to complain about. And I'm, I think me and maybe most of you are getting tired of it. And I think it's only going to help Republicans. As President Trump called out in his rally in Kansas after the confirmation vote, the Republicans are riding a high right now. This could have been the president's best week at the end of last week with the numbers coming out about low unemployment. Things are looking better than they have in 50 years. And then getting the Kavanaugh, a contentious debate, no doubt about it. And you could have seen the president backtrack. You could have seen Kavanaugh backtrack. But he didn't. They, they, they stood with their candidate, and no one had that overwhelming evidence to prove that he was guilty of that. You saw the senator from Maine ended up, would not have surprised me if she had voted no, but she ended up voting yes, and she explained it in a very artful way on a Friday afternoon. But in the end, Brett Kavanaugh from Maryland, so we'll claim him as a Southerner, he is the latest Supreme Court justice, and he will be honored tonight with a more public presentation of that. Now, politically speaking, I don't know where Taylor Swift stands on the president, but we know where she stands on the big battle going on in Tennessee for U.S. Senate. And over the weekend, Taylor Swift broke her silence, and she put an Instagram post out saying that she'll be voting for Phil Bredesen, the Democratic nominee in the midterm election. Now, this 28-year-old is registered in the volunteer state, and she put on Twitter that, quote, as much as I have in the past and would like to continue voting for women in office, I cannot support Marsha Blackburn. She's got 112 million Instagram followers, by the way. 
I don't know how many are in Tennessee. Probably not very many. But Swift said, her voting record, talking about Blackburn, her voting record in Congress appalls and terrifies me. And she had a rather lengthy Instagram post about Marsha Blackburn. So I don't know how Marsha, Marsha, Marsha feels about this, but I'm sure she's not very happy. Of course, Taylor had to ruin her whole Instagram post, of which she has a right to say whatever she wants, even though she is a public figure that probably would be better off, since she's a musician, keeping her opinion to herself as to not alienate a lot of fans, as she will do in this. But she had to ruin it, not by what she said about Blackburn, but at the end, she put in her little emoji a rainbow. Now, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Is Taylor Swift a lesbian? I don't know. She might be. I haven't heard that. Why would she put that in there? That was at the end of her Instagram post. And Phil Bredesen thanked her for her kind words, and he's honored to have her support. I don't know if Marsha Blackburn's had a comment yet. I'd like to see Marsha Blackburn sing. You know, she's a good Mississippi girl. She is from Laurel, Mississippi, one of the early female graduates of Mississippi State. She was there, I guess, in the late 60s, early 70s, right when they had first accepted females into MSU and I know she studied home economics so she probably could outcook Taylor Swift now whether she could outsing her I don't know that for sure but we'll keep our um, what's going on in Tennessee hey again we got our on all things politics here on the y'all show especially if it has to do with our beloved Southland sad news from the United States military as a Moorhead City North Carolinian was killed over the weekend in Afghanistan, Sergeant James Allen Slate was aged 23, and he was killed getting out of his vehicle in Helmand Province Thursday and was working to clear the area of explosives when a bomb detonated, according to newspaper reports. He was evacuated to a facility, but staffers were unable to save him. He was assigned to 60th Troop Command of the North Carolina Army National Guard out of Washington, North Carolina. His unit went to Afghanistan in April. American soldier lost in Afghanistan from our part of the world, Moorhead City, North Carolina. We salute the service and sacrifice of Sergeant James Slate of the North Carolina Army National Guard. We won't have our Y'all Street business report today because, as we told you in the open, we're actually going to tribute and give a salute to another great American soldier. But this one didn't, I guess it's fortunate that he did not die in combat that would be Alvin York back in World War I. A hundred years ago today, he did the unthinkable by capturing and killing uh, 150 German soldiers in the Great War. Because of our tribute to that, the fact that today marks that 100th anniversary, we will not have our business report. However, this was big news that came out at the end of the last week. Houston, Texas-based mattress firm, who have not their headquarters, but their bedquarters, in the Bayou City of Houston, Texas, they announced that they are filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on Friday, and they plan to close 700 underperforming stores across the United States. As many as 200 stores will close quickly with the decisions on the other 500 coming in the next few weeks. They've got about 3,300 stores in 49 states, and they've struggled in recent years from online competition and and I'm telling you, if you've been in any town of any size, you'll see not only mattress firm oftentimes, 
You'll see like 20 other mattress stores in one town. I don't know how any of these places have been able to stay alive. Mattress Firm was sold a couple of years ago to a South African investment group, and they're the ones who some say are causing all the problems with it as they're now filing bankruptcy. And you may have to go find another place to get you a new mattress if you're in the mattress market. But Mattress Firm filing for bankruptcy, closing down a bunch of stores soon. Maybe perhaps the next Toys R Us closure. A DUMM candidate for the week comes from the state of Florida as deputies had to stun a man after they pulled him over for allegedly stealing a tractor. This happened in Washington County, Florida, and the sheriff's office has dash cam video of this man wearing his camo driving this tractor, and they had to stun him because he was riding a stolen tractor. And this wasn't a little small tractor. He's got what looks like a plow behind it. I don't know what he was up to. But, yeah, they got him, and they they had to stun him. So be careful. And And he did it in the broad daylight. This was not done in the middle of the night. It looks like nice country road there in Washington County, FLA. And this bandit got busted. So I, I, I would pick something a little bit quicker if you're going to steal it. That We don't condone stealing of any type here on the Y'all Show. And as we wrap up what's going on in the Southland from Virginia, how about this feel-good story? A massive watermelon has been weighed and it is 254 pounds. I say again, 254-pound watermelon, and it sets a new state fair record. And this happened at the State Fair of Virginia in Spotsylvania County, and it was grown by Hank Houston. And this huge watermelon is a newsmaker. And, of course, it won first prize at the fair. How in the world did you even bring that in there, Mr. Houston? The previous record was 245 pounds, and it was actually owned by a friend of Mr. Houston's. So if you want to grow big melons, you might want to get to Spotsylvania County, Virginia. I assume that's where Spotsylvania Courthouse is, which was a big Civil War battle. And at the State Fair of Virginia, they've got big melons, 254 pounds. Do not call me up, Hank Houston, and get you to help help get you that watermelon moved or now if you want me to help slice it up and eat it i'll be happy to i wonder how good a melon tastes that's that big something tells me it may not be that good but i'm no watermelon expert but i i like them now speaking of watermelons that kind of makes you think of summertime well is the summer still with us when we come back after this break there is some good stuff coming in on hashtag hollow blue that has to do with warm temperatures in october across dixie We've got that and more. Stay with us. Come on! We see it every day. They cut you off and they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. 
Moving expenses? There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. She was storming through the house that day And I could tell she was leaving And I thought, oh, she'll be back Till she turned around and pointed at the wall and said That picture from our honeymoon That night in Frisco Bay Just give it away She said, give it away And that big four-poster king-size bed so much love was made, just give it away. She said, just give it away. Ah, yes. Music from the King here on a Monday. King George Strait. And give it away. And I'll tell you why we're playing that song right here on the Y'all Show in just a second. Welcome back to this All Southern program with your host, John Rawl. And we're glad that you could join us. Remind you, coming up in just a couple of seconds. We'll have our Y'all History Spotlight, what we call our Y'all of Fame. And we had our first installment of the Y'all of Fame last week, actually, with Charlie Duke, a man who's truly been out of this world as he walked on the moon. And he's still alive. He's 83 years old, lives in Texas, native South Carolinian. And we did a big spotlight on Thursday's show of last week on Charlie Duke. Lives in New Braunfels, Texas. And Annapolis grad, USNA class of 58, I think. We did that. Go back and listen. All of our podcasts, all of our archives of the Y'all Show are available for free download. And we we have been doing shows nearly 100 episodes now of the Y'all Show. And you can find it in iTunes. Just go to iTunes Podcast, free download, listen, enjoy. If you don't have iTunes or your computer doesn't like iTunes for some reason or your smartphone, Go search for Y'all Show on podcast.com is one good option for you. Also, Listen Notes is the one I like. ListenNotes.com. Search for Y'all Show, and it'll be right there, free download. And you can catch up with all of our nearly 100 episodes of the program all about the South. Well, on this program about the South, we like to have some F-U-N fun. And normally we do it all show long. But we for sure do it and what we call three times a week, hashtag hullabaloo. 
And on hashtag Hullabully, we're giving it away, y'all. Just like the song said earlier from George. We're giving it away. And in the spirit of George Strait's great song, we start our hashtag Hullabully today from Steve Bowers, host of Blue Suede Forever on our affiliate in Jackson, Tennessee, WTJS FM 93.1, the talk of Jackson. Steve's a great Southerner, does an unbelievable job each and every Monday through Friday with a mixture of news from West Tennessee and great guests that come to the old country store, the Dixie Cafe there, Casey Jones Village, does a great job, had a chance to meet Steve a few times, and we appreciate everybody at WTJS, the talk of Jackson, for all they do carrying our show each and every afternoon in West Tennessee. But Steve and I, we, we follow each other. And on Twitter, I noticed yesterday that he put up a photo that caught my eye. And it was a picture of a highway dedication. And it was a photo of the Buddy Cannon Highway Dedication. And this is on Highway 412 between Jackson, Tennessee and Lexington, Tennessee. And I have heard of Buddy Cannon. I've never met Buddy Cannon, but having worked in Nashville... Knowing about great music in the 90s and such, and back into the 80s too when he was a, a fixture in country music, I know who Buddy Cannon is, and lo and behold, he is from a community in that county, Henderson County, Tennessee, and on Sunday, they dedicated U.S. Highway 412, that portion near his area, as the Buddy Cannon Highway, and Buddy Cannon himself went there, he had family members there, and all that was in Steve Bauer's tweet. Now, who is Buddy Cannon? Well, he wrote tons of big songs. He's produced big songs. He's been a songwriter, producer. You can learn a lot more about him. Go, go to his website, buddycannon.com. I know he's worked with Reba McIntyre, Sammy Kershaw, John Michael Montgomery. Maybe the artist he had the best commercial success with was Kenny Chesney. He produced most of Kenny Chesney's earliest albums on B&A Records. And Buddy Cannon, still going, went out to West Tennessee Sunday and was there for the dedication of the Buddy Cannon Highway marker on 412. Now, one of the songs that Buddy Cannon actually helped co-write was that song we heard earlier from George Strait. Now, Buddy co-wrote that with two great ones, Bill Whisperin' Anderson and the other co-writer of that awesome song that was a big hit. Let's see, 2006 was when that was a big hit. Jamie Johnson was the other co-writer on this song. This Cannon co-written song ended up becoming George Strait's record-breaking 53rd number one song, and it was named Song of the Year at the 2007 Academy of Country Music Awards. Give it away, a Buddy Cannon creation. And, of course, he had so many other songs he produced and wrote, and I don't know if he sang very much, but boy, he has been a, a an influence in country music, and many people are very thankful for his contribution. And that's how you get a highway named after you. And he, they do it to Tennessee's credit. They did it when he's still alive. Good job there, officials in Henderson County, perhaps Madison County, since I think the Madison-Henderson County line somewhere right there near the community that he grew up in. Buddy Cannon. Now, let's talk a little food, shall we? Florence's Homestyle is on Twitter. It's F-H-S-C-H-A-C-H-A, F-H-S-Cha-Cha. All right, well, Florence's Homestyle, 
you had me confused when I saw your tweet. And I had to go look it up. Because Florence's makes cha-cha. And I, I hope that's how you pronounce it. I am not from Arkansas where this is very popular. But I assume that's how you pronounce it. Cha-cha is a southern cuisine and it enhances the flavor of most foods and is a versatile blend of green tomatoes, select peppers, veggies, and spices. And a lot of people put cha-cha on greens, like mustard greens, turnip greens, collard greens. And it is a green tomato relish. And that's what it's labeled at on the jar. Now, Florence's home style is out of Marlton, Arkansas, which is sandwiched between Conway and Russellville, right on I-40, about an hour northwest of Little Rock. And Florence's Homestyle does cha-cha right, it appears. And you can put seasoning on all kinds of things with this. Now, Florence's Homestyle cha-cha is sweet and spicy, and it enhances the South. And it's been doing this since the early 1800s. Cha-cha, as we said, is a blend of fresh green tomatoes, veggies, and meticulously selected savory spices. And if you use it in small quantities, cha-cha enhances the flavor of cooked vegetables and meats. It's used as a condiment, a dipping sauce, a marinade, or as that special ingredient in your favorite recipes. I knew my cooking was missing something, and now with cha-cha, anything can taste wonderful. Thanks, Florence's Homestyle. The recipe from cha-cha has been perfected and handed down from her family for generations, and it's available in mild and hot and it reflects the days of old-fashioned home canning. Oh, we talked about canning not long ago here on the show. So you can go to Florence's Homestyle, that's with an S, florenceshomestyle.com, and get you an order of this incredible relish that's available from Florence's Homestyle. The mixture of green tomatoes, veggies, and spices, and it'll be a great combination. Putting some season in the season. And now we know about cha-cha. Now, if you are in certain parts of the South in the last couple of days, the calendar may say we're approaching mid-October, but it's starting to feel more like mid-July. Is it not? Well, yeah, some places I know in, let's say, Alabama, Mississippi, they were having temperatures over the last couple of days, maybe even today, even approaching 100. You had bad weather in parts of the south i know they had a interruption of the big football game in columbia south carolina over the weekend as a summer type thunderstorm came through the area and gosh it just uh soaked up williams bryce stadium there in columbia and other parts of the south had major summertime like temps and i don't know exactly what the temp is normally here in the second week of october but like i said it sure kind of felt like july did it not well of course on social media people are having a good time with that <laughs> and i found a couple of gifs that i wanted to share with you one has a, a typical image of the background what you would expect in october lots of pretty orange pumpkins kind of leaves on the ground and such but here's the text of this gif that made me get a good laugh okay it's time for fall in the south pumpkins mosquitoes humidity flip-flops shorts okay so it's basically summer but with pumpkins <laughs> and that's how it really has been and, and it will be I, I know people make a lot of money selling pumpkins right now 
leading up to Halloween. And I guess they're a nice addition throughout the entire fall, frankly, if they hold up. You know, I, I didn't realize until the other day that a pumpkin is actually a form of squash. And, and it's an orange squash. So, yeah, if you take out the pumpkins and we, we just keep the mosquitoes, the humidity, flip-flops and shorts, which is a large part of the South right now or has been the last couple of days, yeah, it is summertime just with pumpkins. A very humorous but true gif to whoever created that. They deserve a pumpkin. Here's another high-temp-related gif that I found. And this I got from a guy named Greg sent me this. These cool, crisp 95 degrees of fall are so much nicer than those sweltering 96-degree days of summer. <laughs> yeah, drop it one degree and we're in the fall where it was 96, it was summer, and 95, it's fall. Makes no sense. Very good point. These cool, crisp 95, cool, crisp 95, woo, go get me a blanket. It's it's cold in here, 95 degrees. This feels so much better than that awful 96 back when it was blazing hot not long ago in August and in July as well. Appreciate those very timely GIFs coming in. Whoever's making those, keep them up. We move on to C-N-F-U-S-D-B-L-K-G-R-E. It looks like C-N-F-U-S-D-Black-Girl. I am totally butchering that, I'm sure. But a crafty Twitter handle and name that you go by on social media. And she writes, A sequence of inspiration, random, eclectic, artistic, and problematic thoughts or ideals. Well, what do we have coming from Confused Black Girl? Now, I figured it out. See, sometimes these little catchy slogans aren't easy on the eye at first. But now that I've looked at it, her scrambling of words, C-N-F-U-S-D-B-L-K-G-R-L, kind of looks like confused black girl, I'm guessing. Maybe confiscated black girl. I don't know. I'm just totally guessing. All right. Here's what she had to say. And I don't often talk about the North here on the show, but here we go with something that I didn't know what confused black girl was talking about. Maybe that's why she's confused. <laughs> well, head scratcher. But confused black girl put great northerns, scratch cornbread, and greens mixed with cabbage. Hashtag southern Sunday dinner. Hashtag vegetarian life. Okay, well, I, I'm okay with cornbread. Got that. I know what that is. I certainly know what greens are. Collard, mustard, turnips. Even kale. That's becoming a big thing in parts of the South. Still isn't a true Southern dish, though. And cabbage. She talks about cabbage. But I didn't know what she was talking about when she was talking about Great Northerns. So forgive me. I'm showing my confused white guy. Instead of confused black girl, I'm the opposite. I'm a confused white boy. A Great Southern is a bean. And a company named Hearst makes a lot of them. And Great Southern... Great Northern, <laughs> see, I, I, my mind automatically puts the word Southern into everything. So my name is John Southern Rawl, okay? Great Northern beans with Hearst original ham flavors is something you can buy. And it's a white bean that's very versatile and works great in a variety of side dishes and soups. So a Great Northern bean, I, I think I've seen it at the grocery store. I just didn't pay that much attention. It's got that awful Northern word. We're not about a North. This isn't the used guy show. This is the y'all show. But I guess those northerners like in Boston, which is called Bean Town, I guess they know a little bit about beans. 
our, I guess our bean in the South would be a, a soybean, which a lot of people make a lot of money off of soybeans, but not necessarily to eat, at least the bean itself. I guess byproducts of soybeans make yummy things like, like hamburgers. I actually like soy burgers. That's what I grew up on in school, like most of you that had school lunch menus that had hamburgers. But the other thing that we're probably the most southern of all beans, I would have to say a butter bean. But, you know, I kind of want to put in there uh, baked beans. I mean, you put in a baked bean in any of the dishes we like, like fried chicken, go to KFC, get you some baked beans along with your fried chicken. Now, that's southern. That's what we call a southern bean. But a great northern bean looks like it's a good choice for a lot of side dishes and soups. And we appreciate Confused Black Girl for telling us all about it here on the Y'all Show. Two Doors Down. Now, that's not Three Doors Down, the band from Mississippi that had a bunch of big songs on the radio on the rock chart three eh, back in the 2003-2004 time period. This is Two Doors Down. At Two Doors Down 6 on Twitter. And it's led by Chef Jin G and a talented bunch of foodie friends. And they are a pop-up restaurant and are available for a private event hire. I don't know where they're located. But here's what they put on Twitter that caught my eye. When you have a great pop-up on Saturday and have leftovers as a treat on Sunday, hashtag Southern, hashtag Two Doors Down. Well, I don't really know what they have. I couldn't make it out in this photo. I'm sure it was yummy. But what I'm bringing to your attention now is this whole pop-up. Have you noticed that word becoming more and more common in the South? You've got pop-ups. you got them for, I think they're kind of restricted to food, but I could be wrong. It could be used for other things, but it's kind of a trendy term. Unless I've been under a rock, I don't think it's been that trendy except for the last two years. So in case you don't know, if you're not up with it like I am, evidently, what in the world is a pop-up, Okay. Well, that's what we have here on the Y'all Show. We are an ambassador of information. And so a pop-up, in restaurant terms, they're also called supper clubs and temporary restaurants. And these restaurants often operate from a private home, a former factory or similar space, and during festivals. So they're not like a permanent restaurant. They kind of just spring up. I noticed sometimes places have pop-ups if it's like a celebration a party a wedding and they'll have a pop-up and now how that's different from a catered event what the actual differences are i don't know exactly but i know some festivals have gone on and they'll say we've got a pop-up and i think you'll see sometimes reputable actual brick and mortar restaurants participate in this so-called pop-up and they'll have like a, a sampling of their own fare there at the event so it, it's a, it, I think it is a fairly new term, a pop-up. And so in case you are out of the loop, we're helping you here on the Y'all Show. And we appreciate Two Doors Down for their pop-up and all the leftovers. Now, if I go put on a pop-up, I want to make money if it's a money-making event. But my goodness, I would not leave that place with leftovers. I would literally give it away. Just like our song at the start of the hashtag hullabaloo that George Strait took to number one, co-written by Buddy Cannon, Mr. Henderson County, Tennessee himself. Got the highway there on Highway 412, the Buddy Cannon Highway. But yeah, I would give it away. I would want to have to haul this cooked food back and refrigerate it. It may not even be healthy 
after you go to a pop-up event and it's been out in the elements. But that is a new term for all y'all to kind of keep in mind, pop-up. Well, we don't want you to pop up anywhere. We want you to stay right where you are. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to talk about Sergeant Alvin York. It was exactly 100 years ago today, October 8, 1918, that this Tennessean did the unthinkable, killing 25 German soldiers and taking 132 of the Hun prisoner in France during the Great War. We've got a salute to this Y'all of Fame inductee next on our program. Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The Gorgeous Hair Event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. that the music from an absolute Hollywood gem Sergeant York the 1941 film starring Gary Cooper and Walter Brennan and that of course honored the Tennessean Sergeant Alvin York and it was exactly 100 years ago today in France when the real Sergeant York was in a battle in France and he captured 35 guns of the Germans but he killed at least 25 German soldiers, and he took 132 prisoners during this battle in the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, and this happened in the French village of chatel Cherhery, and that's about 140 miles north of Paris, and this is the 100th anniversary of that amazing feat, and this Sergeant York, the real-life Sergeant York from Palmel, Tennessee, which is east of Nashville. It's just northeast of Cookville, Tennessee, and it is right on the Kentucky border. It's in a very remote part of the Volunteer State, and that was part of the Sergeant York story. He grew up in the early 1900s and learned how to shoot with his gun, but he became a conscientious objector and didn't want to shoot anybody, kill anybody. But if you watch the movie, if you know the story, he obviously decided that he needed to serve his country after the United States entered the World War I in 1917. And he goes to France and he becomes this unbelievable hero because of the amount of, I mean, he killed at least 25 people in this one day, in this one action. He did it all by himself. And he took 132 prisoners. I mean, how is that even possible? But he did it. And it's absolutely true. He won the Medal of Honor. And, and there ought to be a whole other level for what Sergeant York did winning the Medal of Honor because you talk about bravery times a thousand. 
but he did that a hundred years ago today. And in 1941, this movie, Sergeant York, came out. And this came out 4th of July weekend of 41. And this was when World War II was already going on, but the United States had not entered it yet. We had not had Pearl Harbor happen. That happened five months later, sadly. But this movie back in 41 was a humongous blockbuster at the movies. It brought in over $16 million, and it only had a million-dollar budget. And that's a lot of money, especially in those days in Hollywood. And Gary Cooper, the star of it, ended up winning the Academy Award for his performance and his portrayal of Sergeant York. And it is really, if you haven't seen it, it really is one of the best movies from that era coming out of Hollywood. And I like it because it's a true story, and it's about a Southerner. Sergeant Alvin York's story, Sergeant York. Well, Sergeant York lived until 1964, and he died and is buried. And now his farm there in Middle Tennessee and the area around it that he grew up in, it's now a state park, the Sergeant Alvin C. York State Park. Tennessee does a good job with it. They have trenches there that kind of depict what a trench in World War I looked like. And it, it's really a great tourist attraction. I know you have to go out of your way. It's a good hour drive north of I-40 into some rugged terrain and beautiful terrain. But we encourage you to, if you're in Tennessee, going between Nashville and East Tennessee to see Dollywood, stop by and see the Sergeant York Museum. I think you'll be very appreciative, especially knowing that this is the 100th anniversary this year of the end of the Great War. The war to end all wars, they said at the time. And, of course, November 11th is the 100th anniversary of the armistice, the day the war came to an end. We have a little video to help us explain more about Sergeant York that I found. This is something that's old enough to where it's public domain. So you're going to hear more of the Sergeant York story. And you'll actually, at the end of this short clip, you'll hear the voice of the real Sergeant Alvin York right here on the Y'all Show. Sergeant Alvin Cullen York came out of the Tennessee Hills in World War I and despite religious scruples, went into the Army and came out a hero. A hero who was to remain a modest man to the end of his 76 years. When the war broke out, young Alvin York was swinging a pick on a road gang. He was inducted and assigned to the 82nd Division and he quickly made a name for himself with his marksmanship. Sergeant York, shot his way into history when he captured or killed an entire German machine gun battalion of 160 men, and he did it single-handedly. Sergeant York was the first common soldier to become a national hero. He refused to be exploited and turned down offers of lecture tours and books to devote himself to his beloved mountain people. He said, this uniform ain't for sale. Honor upon honor was bestowed on the doughboy who had married his childhood sweetheart. Always welcomed to the White House with his family, Sergeant York received more than 50 high honors from his own nation and foreign governments. But he continued to farm and hunt and to teach Sunday school to the Hill children. One of his last public appearances was when he received a citation from the Gold Star Mothers. He was modest as always. Certainly is an honor to receive this uh, presentation from the Gold Star Mothers of the World War, whom we... Uh, Love so dearly, me and my comrades. And I accept this not only for myself, but for all of my brothers who were in the World War. I thank you. Sergeant Alvin C. York, our latest y'all of fame inductee and Sergeant York serving in the 167th Infantry Brigade 
82nd Infantry Division in World War One, awarded the Medal of Honor and lots of other awards for his unbelievable valor during the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, which happened 100 years ago today, when he took 35 machine guns, killed at least 25 German soldiers during World War One, and took 132 prisoners during this battle in Chatel Cherhery, France, north of Paris. And we salute you, Sergeant York, and your memory, of course. You've been gone a long time, but you can go to that park where he's from in Palmel, Tennessee, and see the incredible life story of this great Southerner and great Tennessee. Well, that wraps up Hour 1. When we come back in Hour 2, we're going to get it going with some football talk, and then we'll move over to Jerry Short, and we'll have short stories from the man from Takapola. All that is coming up on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. It's hour two of the October 8th, Monday edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with John Rawl on Twitter. You can find us simply, simply easy. Just go in there and look for at Y'all Show, and we've got the link to each and every day's show that we tweet out, making it so easy for you to follow us, listen to us, and tweet at us. We want to hear from Y'all here on the Y'all Show. In just a few, we've got Jerry Short. Stopping by the teller of tales from Takapola, and my producers tell me he is on the road. He's on patrol today, and we'll just have to find out where old Jerry is. And no telling what part of the Southland he may have found himself in today. So we'll have the teller of tales coming up in just a few minutes to wrap up the rest of hour two. And we start hour two off talking about some football. Are you ready to talk some football? Yes, we are. Thank you very much. And we'll talk a little college. Of course, looking at the latest AP poll, Alabama, 59 first-place votes. The Tide comfortably in at number one, followed by Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, all the same from last week. Now, moving up one spot was Notre Dame, followed by West Virginia. They moved up three spots this week because we saw some teams like Auburn and Oklahoma lose as well as who else lost this past week lsu they lost so notre dame west virginia washington and penn state all benefit from those teams losing 
How about those Texas Longhorns? They moved up 10 spots to number 9 in the new AP poll. The UCF Knights, congrats, they're in the top 10 for the first time this season, moving up two spots. Now OU fell, they're down at 11 after they lost in the Red River shootout on Saturday. Michigan moves up to number 12. Those Tigers from LSU, they fell eight spots this week. They're at number 13. The Gators, who knocked off LSU, the Gators improved to 5-1 and one with the win, went over their rival from the west. And Florida moves up eight to number 14. Wisconsin with a win over the weekend. They're at 15, followed by Miami. They had a close one against FSU, but they get the rivalry. First time I think they won against Florida State at home in like 10 years. So congrats to Mark Rick and the Canes for that win. Oregon is at 17. Kentucky, which blew it in their game at Texas A&M, blew it, meaning that they should have stayed with what worked, which was Benny Snell, and they got cute. And in the overtime, they lose to Texas A&M, and they drop down to number 18. Colorado's in at 19. NC State, they're looking good, undefeated 5-0. and Could they be a team that knocks off Clemson real soon? We'll keep our eye on the ACC Atlantic Division as the Pack have something potentially brewing at Carter-Finley Stadium. Auburn drops 13 spots down to 21 in the latest AP poll. Texas A&M checks in at 22 with their win over Kentucky. You've got South Florida at 23. Mississippi State improved to 24. Big win for the Dogs and their home win over Auburn. And how about this? The Cincinnati Bearcats are 6-0, and and they are at 25. Where in the world did Cincinnati come from? We kind of forgot about that program after Tommy Turberville left them a few years ago or I don't remember what happened. Did he quit? That's kind of what he normally does. That's what he did at Texas Tech, and that's what he did at Ole Miss. But Cincinnati, 6-0, and and they should have a pretty good selling there on the banks of the Ohio until they play UCF late in the season. Now, looking at the standings currently in NCAA football, looking at the FBS level, those Cincinnati Bearcats, which cracked the top 25, they are atop the AAC East Division alongside the UCF Knights. The Houston Cougars lead the AAC West. They have the 1-0 conference mark and other Southern teams of note. Tulane is 1-1 in the AAC also. Tulane 2-4 on the season right now. Memphis Tigers are 1-2. They are 4-2. At the ACC level, the Clemson Tigers are 3-0. They shellac Wake Forest over the weekend. The Tigers are 6-0 overall, ranked number four in the country. NC State, as we said earlier, they are 5-0, undefeated in ACC play. They narrowly escaped that game at Carter-Finley over the weekend against BC, but they are 2-0 in the Atlantic Division of the ACC. The Hurricanes and Hokies are tied atop the ACC Coastal Division, both with 2-0 marks. Looking at the Big 12 Conference, a collision course is definitely coming between West Virginia and Texas. Both the Nears and the Horns are 3-0 in Big 12 play and both ranked in the top 10. Oklahoma drops to 2-1 and one after that loss in the Red River shootout. Looking at the Conference USA standings, MTSU is 2-0, and and they are 3-2 and two overall, leading the East Division. Florida Atlantic is 1-1. One and one. They actually lost a conference game. I was not aware of that, but yeah, Lane Kiffin's Owls, defending champs of Conference USA, lost to MTSU. MTSU got a big win over the Owls last week. Looking at the west side, UAB is 2-0. and The Blazers are 4-1. and Man, not long from now, they may be ranked in the top 25. This was a team that was not even playing football two years ago as they shut it down for a year or two. Looking at the other conferences of note from the Southland, SEC, of course, Georgia leads the East 6-0. and Kentucky drops to 5-1, and and so are the Gators 5-1. and 
course, I guess Kentucky would have the tiebreaker there in the East Division. South Carolina's 2-2 two and two in SEC play. Big win for them over Missouri on Saturday in a rain-soaked contest at Williams-Brice Stadium. Alabama, by far, 3-0, and 6-0 overall in the SEC West. Sunbelt-wise, Trojans of Troy are 3-0, and 5-1 and overall, and Georgia Southern is 2-0, 4-1. and Appalachian State, man, they had a big win this past weekend. Big-time win over South Alabama. They are 3-1 overall on the west side of the Sun Belt. The Raging Cajuns are 1-1, followed by South Alabama at 1-2. Only Arkansas State has a winning record overall on the west. By the way, they play tomorrow night. Can you believe you got Tuesday night football going on as Arkansas State has a Sun Belt game, Tuesday night game against that aforementioned Appalachian State Mountaineer unit. And finally, as we look at college football news, the winningest coach in college football history died over the weekend on Sunday. John Gagalardi, age 91, who had coached St. John's University in Minnesota, and he began his career back in 1949 and spent six decades at St. John's from 1953 to 2012, and he retired with a record of 489 wins, 138 losses, and 11 ties and surpassed Eddie Robinson of Grambling State fame for the career wins record back in 2003. And he got four national titles at St. John's there in Minnesota coaching that university. The winningest coach in college football dying this weekend. That's a look at Gridiron News here on the Y'all Show. Hope you enjoyed that. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Ty Coppola. You don't want to miss it as the Y'all Show rolls on on a Monday. We see it every day. They cut you off, and they tick you off. It's called road rage. But they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. (sighs) Moving expenses. There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. 
the wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. And welcome back to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl, as we roll on on a Monday. And our Monday tradition is to bring on Mr. Short Stories himself, Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola Way. Hello, Jerry. Well, what's going on up your way, man? Well, up, good? up my way, everything's good. How's everything up your way? Well, I'm just all over the country today. I'm probably... I'm in Tennessee right now, but... Uh, oh, really? I'm Where? I'm in Savannah. Uh, no, I'm not across the river. I'm in Crump, Tennessee. No, I'm not. I went through Crump. I'm in, I'm in Adamsville, the home of Buford Possible. Well, we just played Davy Crockett, you know, King of the Wild Frontier. Uh, uh, that, that's your theme song. Yeah, okay. I left Davy statue on the downtown a while ago when I left... Uh, uh, which borough is that? So uh, many uh, Lawrenceburg. Yeah, there you go. Lawrence. Hometown of the great Fred D. Thompson. Yeah, you know, I, ate, uh, I hate to always throw names down, but I actually ate uh, with Fred downtown uh, one time. I had a guy. Uh, a ro- uh, Downtown uh, Lawrenceburg? Downtown Lawrenceburg. Okay. And uh, I had a guy, a real estate man, out of uh, out of there. At, uh, and that's Fred's hometown, like you said. And I had to go by him. He was trying to sell some land for me in, uh, up around uh, uh, Waverly. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he saw an ad I had in the Nashville paper, and I went down that way. And, and then I went by his office, and he said, i got to have a uh, – I'm having a meal tonight with Fred. You want to go? And so I went down there, and uh, very interesting gentleman. And, and, you know, he was he was really a good guy. You know, I didn't stay. I went in and shook his hand and I was running late and I'd already had my business taken care of with the real estate agent. And, but I did get to meet him in there and, uh, let them take care of their business or whatever they were doing. But Fred was really nice. Of course, Fred Thompson, actor. Yeah, Fred and went was, on he, to be, was he an actor? The, yeah, he was an actor. Then, but he, was, he wasn't acting when he was in Washington, D.C. He was a U.S. senator for the state of Tennessee. I know it. I know it. I wonder if it's his yeah, seat that's up for election in a couple of weeks when Marsha Blackburn takes on Phil Bredesen. I don't know if, if he's got. I don't know. That, Did that, we lose Fred in this world? Yes, he died about five years ago. In fact, the other day I saw someone put, I don't know how I stumbled upon it, I saw a picture of his gravesite, And he has kind I'll of a, a pretty noticeable grave there in the cemetery in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Fred D. Thompson, Fred Dalton Thompson, of course, uh, with so many great aspects of his life and a Renaissance man. Jerry, of course, he had the perfect academic combination. You know what that was? Well, I know when I met him, he was dating a country music singer that I thought was really hot, cool, or whatever word you want to use. Lori, Lori, um, Lori Morgan, Lori Morgan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I wanted to say something about her to him, but I didn't. But yeah. I never did understand that connection. But more power to him. Well, I mean, Fred Fred D. Thompson was one of about a hundred guys that I'm aware she's dated, including Troy yeah, Troy Aikman. You know, she had a thing with him. She had something with Sammy Kershaw, good country music singer. She Who had. Was she married to. I don't know who she's married to now. She may not be married at all. I no, kinda, then, back 
first. Well, if so, she was originally, well, I won't say she was originally married to. She she at one time was married to Keith Whitley, country music legend. That's the guy that I've heard her say that she'd tie herself to him in bed at night because she was afraid he'd commit suicide. Yeah, well, if you know anything about that story, I think there's more to it than just her side of the story. And yeah, okay. having worked in Nashville and knowing people in Sumner County where they lived, I'm not going to totally go out and believe her story in its entirety. Okay. There's definitely some, speaking of Fred D. Thompson, some Hollywood-type stuff that go, that's around that death in 1989 of Keith Whitley. One of my heroes, by the way. And oh, mercy. Let's not forget she also had a thing for a while, a guy named John Randall, who was a kind of up-and-coming country singer back in the 90s who was like 20 years her junior and they even got married and then got divorced john randall but i, I saw him not long ago john very talented producer and and recording artist and and i would never have noticed him you know back in the mid-90s he had the long hair and the beard and these yeah. days these days he's got like no hair and a beard <laughs> kind of got that got that cool musician look to him uh, but but you, you've, you've told me enough about her now that I'm glad I didn't continue. To let let me just go out on the record. So it says we're talking about Lori Morgan, which she had another nickname that kind of that rhymed with the name Lori, but it wasn't Lori. It wasn't a very flattering nickname. Uh, I can truthfully say, Jerry, that I, I – and it's kind of sad. I can truthfully say that I'm not one of those hundred people that she's been alleged to be tied to. You're kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I did. Well, I'm not either, so it makes us even. I did have a picture that I proudly put up at one point in my room in college. Uh, I got a publicity photo from B&A Records, and it was an awesome picture taken for her 1992 CD that came out. And there's this great picture of her sitting in a wheelbarrow. It's just a really creative shot, and I thought that was just the coolest thing. So... Yeah. Real tight, br uh, blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and you would like her? Good Catholic girl. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not, I have definitely. Not too many Catholic country uh, music singers, but, but she definitely is, of course. I think she got that from her mother. Her father, of course, was George Morgan, country music legend as well. But, Jerry, let's get away from Lori Morgan talk if we can. You're in a town right now. You said you're in Adamsville, Tennessee, in West Tennessee, right? Adamsville. Okay, that, that has a celebrity connection, too. Tell us about it. Well, I know two things, really, or three or four. And I've worked McNary County before, and I've worked Hardeman, <clears throat> you know, next to it. But um, I, I, I can't. I came in like 60, when he was first in his prime. Who? In the early 60s when Buford Posser. Buford Posser, uh, oh, the, the movie about Buford Posser, Walking, movie, walking tall. tall. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, I was going to talk uh, to some people about uh, a job the next morning on the pipeline. It was in the summer. And I pulled up at the courthouse at Selmer and park myself like I've been known to do. Selmer is the county seat of the county. Selmer that he was is the, the county seat okay. of McNary County. Okay. And so I parked there, there, and uh, all of a sudden I feel this bumping around on my feet. And I, I, I kind of come to, I'd stretched out across a car. I had a car then. It happened to come from Elvis Presley. It was a 63 Impala convertible, and this was in 64, so. I guess he thought I was trying to be cool too. So <laughs> anyway, he he bumped my feet with that stick, 
uh, oh, the, the famous stick of yeah, Buford Possum. I, I didn't look here close, but it was a stick. <laughs> I don't know if it was a big one or a little one, or but I, he told me, look, you're going to have to get up and move off square. He said, if you don't want to be arrested, you know, there's no lottering here on the square in Selma. So I got up and I got the heck out uh, and just rode around. I rode back out on 64 and got it off of the square. And, you know, to make it uh, even more kind of ironic that uh, uh, the McCullers are my mother. My mother was a McCuller. Uh-huh. And her side of the family actually came from Selma. And the log cabin that they, like my third great-grandfather lived in is still there. Somebody's got it in it. Taken the log cabin and then made a house out of it and put a, you know, a modern room on it or two. So, anyway, I had some connections there, but the big connection, the, not to connect, big connection, but I, I had been on a trip up while well, I had my family with me and we had been to Ruby Falls. You know, everybody's got to go see Rock City and Ruby Falls back in the day. Right in Chattanooga, uh huh. Yeah, and so we'd been over that way and and I, we came back around by Gatlinburg and came back down. And, and then we'd come across Signal Mountain. You know, that's off of Signal Mountain. Anyway, we come on back through, uh, uh, before you get, after you pass Adamsville, there's a little old hump on the side of the road. And uh, the Tennessee Highway Patrol cars were sitting there, two of them. And they was guarding that place, Buford had flipped a new vet over there and it burned up. You could still see where the grass was all burned. Mm-hmm. And they say that he had been in Memphis to sign a contract for walking tall three that he was going to play himself in. And they think somebody saw his steering uh, with a hacksaw. It saw his dog gun uh, 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 steering rod on that car where they broke. And he'd rolled that car and flipped it up on a bank. And so it still had uh, crime scene tape and all that stuff around it. So, you know, that kind of kind of touched me home because I had, you know, I'd already saw those other movies and, and they were really good. And uh, I was almost on the set of uh, one of them that they were filming in Henderson. And uh, they was coming out of the courthouse. And a big old heavy set guy that was in it. I, you know, I went around the square there and they stopped me. One time I was up that way later. But like walking tall, maybe in the original walking tall, about 73 or 72. Or so. But uh, I hadn't even thought about it till we got to talking about Buford. But over at uh, my wife's with me and I wanted her to see his gates at his house here in Adamsville. Mm-hmm. And they're not like Elvis's with a music note and a guitar. His gates have a big club and a walking tall Buford on his iron gates on both sides of his house at Adamsville. So, so we were going to go through there. He yeah. died on August 21st, 1974 from a accident there in Adamsville. And you said you kind of stumbled upon that back in 74? Yeah, yeah, I came across it and it... Uh, it was on the uh, north side of Highway 64, and uh, he would have been coming uh, eastbound, and north side's westbound. So, uh, but the, where the grass had burned, it had burned uh, over on the side uh, where the uh, highway patrol, uh, they call them Tennessee State Troopers in Tennessee, 
where they were sitting and uh, they had the crime scene tape was still there and everything else. Yeah, I just, uh, we slowed down and they waved for me to don't slow down too much, move on, guy, you know. Hmm. So we moved on, but that's where it had happened. And, uh, you know, you wonder something had to really happen for him to, I'm sure, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I hadn't read into it or looked into it, but uh, if he was coming home to Adamsville and he flipped it over on the north other lane, he had to cross lanes and rolled it, rolled that vet on the other side. Um, something was probably a foul on that, wouldn't you think? I would think so, of course. Joe Don Baker portrayed him in the original Walking Call movie back in the early 70s and kind of a cult favorite even today. And they have a Great show. They have a trail across West Tennessee of the Buford Pusser Trail that people can go on, I guess, and see some of the sights of his life. Oh, it, it was great. I mean, it was it was a tremendous movie, and you know, Mississippi had a lot to play in that down at Corinth, mm-hmm. and all that stuff was on the Mississippi Tennessee line <clears throat> there on Highway Forty Five. Yeah, in fact, the other day, in fact, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Not long ago, I went to Corinth. And I purposely, I could tell where the current US 45 is a four-lane nice highway, but you could tell where, like, the old 45 was. And I went purposely on that, and as I got to the Tennessee-Mississippi line, I could tell where there were these juke joints, and I think you've told me before there was some kind of theater. Drive-in theater was there. But it wasn't playing a normal movie, right? No, you could sit out on the highway and watch Triple... X, really if you wanted to yeah <laughs> and i'm sure you did uh maybe a little bit before buford hit me in the feet yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> now back in the 60s when he hit you was he famous at that time no okay and uh i didn't you know i saw him in person also forgot about that you know you dang it so many things can come up but he went around for a, a a company kind of like Walmart. It was, yep. uh, I forget to know, what, uh, gosh, something, uh, like Mart, not Kmart, but it's one of them. And he was down in Grenada, Mississippi, and they paid him after the movie come out to go around the grand opens of, of uh, those kind of, uh, stores. And boy, his face was really smashed up. You know, that's uh, they people they had really done a job on Buford's face. Hmm. And then when I worked over at Hornsby and Bolivar in that area, which joins, uh, it was right there on the county line, Hornsby. Uh, and uh, I would deal a Selmer lot with uh, all that. Selmer. Yeah, West I deal a lot with uh, people from, it lived over on uh, the McNair County side. Mm-hmm. And they either loved him or they hated him. Really? Even today? Yeah. Yeah, even well, ten years ago. Okay, and uh, you know, which is almost today, I guess, comparatively to nineteen seventies. But I mean, he's been dead forty t- years, more yeah, than forty years. They would, they would tell you stuff about, you know, they either thought he was the grandest thing in the world, or they thought he was a corrupt, crooked. So, so you would hear both stories from different people that had uh, lived through his reign, so to speak. I guess, hmm. but it was very interesting, you know. Uh, and and 
I wasn't expecting us to get off on that, but that's all right. Hey, when you go to Adamsville, I'm sorry, that's probably the topic you need to talk to with Jerry Short. This is Short Stories yeah. with Mr. Short. Always got something, and believe it or not, Jerry, I didn't know we were going to be talking about Buford Pusser in the 1970s when we had you lined up today. But believe it or not, Sunday in NFL football action, something happened. At Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina, in a game between the Carolina Panthers and the New York Football Giants. And it has a connection to you also from the 1970s. And I know what it is, and maybe you don't know, but we'll ask you about it when we come back as the Y'all Show continues. Short Stories with Jerry Short. Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The Gorgeous Hair Event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then in college. Pro scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing the trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football, gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance, so he switched and saved. So, this here story has a happy ending after all. Ever wonder why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15 minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. I was amazed that I could start having real life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. Woohoo! <laughs> no wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language, like Spanish, French, or more. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com, or download the app to try it for free. That's Babbel.com. Welcome back. Our final segment on this Monday, Short Stories with Jerry Short. We've talked a little country music with Mr. Short. We've talked some walk and tall, Buford Pusser, and more. 
And Jerry, we're now going to wrap up today's show with a conversation about football and heroes and more movie talk with you, if you don't mind. Uh, up first, I'm sure you were probably too busy traveling Sunday. and didn't wait, keep... wait, wait, I think I know where you're going. And the only reason I know where you're going is because I got all twisted around and we were eating in a Mexican restaurant. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I could see the TV in there. Yeah. And then I thought it was halftime of maybe a Browns game because it was awful uniforms. Did they wear throwback jerseys or something? I have like no, that? I don't keep up with the Browns. But, However, they, they've won as many games as the current Super Bowl uh, champ this okay. year. Okay. So they were showing the halftime deal, and I saw Eli. Yeah. Just him with his helmet, and they were just showing the expression on his face. Now, Eli Manning, then, you're talking about. Then they showed a play. And it looked like he had thrown the ball back across to a, a back, and the back had threw a pass downfield, and they scored on something mm. similar. Was that what I'm? No, 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 Jerry. That, that could have happened in the game, and unfortunately, because well, it did of, happen. I saw it, you know, on the, uh, okay. on the replay. So I missed that. Go ahead. Well, also, if that happened in that particular game with the Carolina Panthers and the New York Football Giants, the big story coming out of that game was the conclusion. And that was the kicker, Graham Gano of the Panthers, kicked a game-winning 63-yard field goal at the buzzer to defeat New York and send the Panthers to, I think they're 4-1 and one now on the season. And that record, that was a record-tying field goal for the NFC, and it tied Tom Dempsey's 1970 kick for the New Orleans Saints. And having talked to you before, Believe it or not, <laughs> Jerry Short, I, and I, I want to get a lie detector test out. Okay. You claim you were at that famous game at Tulane Stadium when it's Dempsey Tulane kicked Stadium. that. That's right, with his club foot shoe. Now, what in the and, world were uh, you doing in New Orleans in 1970 watching well, him? Was it 1970? Yeah. Well, um, they were going to draft uh, Eli, so I was visiting down there, and I carried some nephews over. And uh, we went to the old Sugar Bowl Stadium. That's where they had it. At Tulane. And yeah. it won, at Tulane. It wasn't, it wasn't at the thing. But uh, when he kicked the ball, you know, it looked like it really exploded. But it was long for that day and time because it was soccer kicking hadn't become, you know, into reality. So, you know, I thought, gosh, I'll never see anything to beat that. But I did. I saw the longest college field goal ever kicked. No way. And that was by Cloyce Hinton against Georgia in Jackson, Mississippi. And who did he play for? Playing for Ole Miss. And he kicks a 59-yard. And it had another 15 yards on it if it had needed it. Hmm. But then, now, you know, where's that lie detector test? You know, But... I was I was statistician for an, an academy mm-hmm. in Mississippi, and uh, uh, the coach told we were playing a really kind of a bad team, and he told me he was going to let his kicker break the high school record of sixty four yards, and for me to make sure that I got ready and let them know. So, you know, we got where it was going to be exactly sixty four yards. And I gave him the signal, so it was third down. 
And so on third down, what they did, they just kind of went to the line of scrimmage, and that was it. And then he lines up, and he kicks it through the uprights. And at that time, I had seen pro, college, and high school longest field goals in history. And this guy was a good kicker. He kicked for Jackie Sherrill when they did that dog pound rock thing at right. Starkville. Uh-huh. He, he was their kickoff man and punter over there. Wow. And, and was uh, drafted or uh, taken by Cincinnati and punted a little bit up there. But he told me that you had to punt a ball and set a garbage can at the 50-yard line. And you'd be at the, I mean, at the goal line, and you'd be at the 50-yard line, and they wanted you to punt the ball in the garbage can. So uh, he didn't make it as a punter, I don't think, but a year and a half or something. But uh, anyway... Uh, you know, so you may need to get the lie detector yeah. out. Because well, we're, t- we're talking with Jerry Short, the teller of tales, and he's got real tales he's telling today here on the Y'all Show. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with Jerry, it's kind of like back in the old days of telephones. It's real simple to get in touch with Jerry Short if you want to reach out to him sometime. Instead of dialing numerals, it's the old school just call him at BS because I'm calling BS <laughs> right now on all you're saying. <laughs> Look, I promise you, I can back every little bit. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Pretty funny stuff, but yeah, I, I know you were at the Dempsey kick. And by the way, I'm going to test you. You haven't, you didn't know we were going to be talking about this, and I'm going to test how good that noggin of yours actually is. Who was the opponent that Dempsey and the Saints beat when he won? When that kick helped them win, 19 to 17. Do you remember? Los Angeles, I think. No, it was the Detroit Lions. Okay. So yes, you, right. Los Angeles was the first one that Archie won. Okay, I got you. November eighth, Cowboys. That was Dallas Cowboys. November eighth, nineteen seventy. And you this, gotta remember, I've seen five or six or seven hundred football. Yeah, I understand. Games. Well, this was an NFL game, which I doubt you've been to that many NFL games in your life. No, because I didn't really like the Saints. I didn't want him going there, Archie. And uh, just when I was Archie, being who? There, Yes, exactly right now, Archie Hoop. And, uh, so, so I, I didn't go to many of those. I, you know, I went to a couple at Atlanta because I was there. Yeah. And I've been to a couple of Dallas because I was there. And then I've been to, you know, seven, eight, ten uh, uh, games before the season when they call that football and yeah. just practice, you know. And, uh, you know, like you go – I remember I went to see uh, – uh, oh gosh, who did Gail Sayers play for? Uh, played for the Browns or somebody. And uh, he ran, he touched the ball one time. You know? uh, okay. So don't go to a preseason game. Oh, okay. If you want to see anything, especially back when they used to play at least four or five of them. Yeah, you know, well, they play four now. Again, I think Graham, they played six once upon a time. Yeah, Graham Gano of the Carolina Panthers. A Florida State alum kicking a 63-yarder to win the game for my Carolina Panthers. All right. Well, let's, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't even know who the Giants were playing until I was sitting way off. Yeah, they I were playing. Looked, I saw the final score was maybe three points or two or four. I don't know the final score. But anyway, a good win for the Panthers who are 
with the Saints, oddly enough, leading the NFC South right now. Before we get out of here with you, Jerry, you may not realize this. Today is the 100th anniversary. It was back on October 8th of the year 1918 that a guy from Palmel, Tennessee, stormed the battlefield in Europe. And as we saluted him in hour one of today's show, Sergeant York. He, oh, my gracious. It was 100 years ago today that Sergeant York pulled off that amazing feat of capturing more than 100 Germans, killing two, two dozen or more, and an amazing one man did all this. And you want my story that how I connected to Sergeant York? Well, I can. I was going to ask you about something <laughs> else, but, but go ahead quickly. Tell me about Sergeant no, the York. Only, the only thing, I was coming back from Kentucky one time, and I wanted to see Sergeant York's grave. And because, uh, which you got to really be uh, wanting to go to Palmel, Tennessee, yeah, you got to go way out of the way. And I did. And I got down there and I walked down to his grave and it was one of those monuments that they put your picture on behind the plastic uh, cover, you know, mm-hmm. some no good, sorry, son of a gun had busted the plastic off and stole the dog gun picture of Sergeant York. And I know that really upset me because my biggest connection was watching Gary Cooper play in, in uh, Sergeant York when he was a conscientious objector and Walter Brennan was a preacher. And, you know, you go way back to the movie, I guess, was filmed in the 30s. Uh, 41 is but, when it came uh, out, oddly enough, right oh, at the brink of World War II. Yeah, probably filmed in 39 or something. And, and Sergeant yeah. Alvin York died in 1964. So, But that's in Cookville, Tennessee, I believe, right? Well, not far from Cookville. It's in yeah, Palm down below it. It's right down on the uh, right down on the state line almost with Kentucky, and of course Cookville is yeah. kind of more uh, centralized. Uh, it's very uh, mountainous in there, and I had hoped to go there to celebrate today, but unfortunately, I tried to get clearance through the t- state of Tennessee. That is now a park, a state park, the South Sergeant Alvin C. York State Historic Park in Palmetto. Is Palmetto. cemetery included in there? I think so. I tried to get permission okay. from the Tennessee parks commission and i had to go through all kind of red tape to go there and, and record and 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 oh man and have insurance proof of insurance and all kind of junk so we're saluting the sergeant today without being there i hope the sergeant doesn't mind but well, uh, you know the high school up there the sergeant york uh gymnasium and mm-hmm. stuff like that so you know they named a few things in the area after which right. is great a great yeah. Southerner, and again, a hundred years ago, Sergeant Alvin York in Europe, and in this incredible feat of of taking 150 roughly German casualties, either by killing or capturing them, amazing feat. You know how he picked them off, don't you? Yeah, we talked about that in hour one. Okay, okay. Well, no need me getting into it. No, anyway. no. But I don't know how you didn't get to kind of equal his feat in the wars that you fought in the, in life. Well, if we had it to do over with again, I would really try harder. (laughs) (laughs) But, Jerry, I do want to hear you. I know I have a personal connection to a real military hero that, unfortunately, I didn't even realize how big of a deal my uncle was until his passing. I'll talk about him momentarily. But I know you've also at least worked with a real World War II hero. Maybe there's somebody else. Maybe they didn't pull off a Sergeant York feat. But talk about somebody that's been a true American hero in your eyes. Well, you know, I'd have to go back to my father, my mother's uh, first cousin. Okay. His name was Kenneth McCuller. Okay. And he was an ace pilot in World War II. And uh, he came home in 43 
and he told my mother that he probably would never return. And he invented skip bombing. Really? You know what skip bombing is? Mm -hmm. And you can look that up anywhere that Kenneth McCullough from Pope, Mississippi invented skip bombing. And uh, my mother was a McCullough, as we mentioned earlier on Selma. That's but, right. Uh, it's a McCullough anyway, day here on the Y'all Show. That's right. So he, he flew a plane that he called a blackjack. And he, he, he made major really quick. And he didn't have to go out. But the way they started it, he'd have beer cans or cans or something would be in the plane. And on the way back from a bombing mission, he would just to say he was a daredevil growing up, my granddaddy used to tell me. And he said, he, you know, my granddaddy drove a bus. And he said, I couldn't keep him down on the bus. I couldn't keep him quiet. I couldn't. He was up and down all the time, but he did have a degree from Mississippi College but uh, before he got in the Army. But anyway, uh, he would throw cans on the deck of uh, Japanese carriers and things. So it hit him. You know, he said, look, if I can do that, I'm going to save some bombs and I'm just going to skip down and let him hit that water and skip and hit the side of the dang uh, uh uh, ships so he invented skip bombing and they actually have that course that they taught and it'll tell you in the code uh and i've got some of that record stuff because my mother heard that he had been killed by walter uh mitchell uh was it walter mitchell on uh the radio announcer then from new york she heard it on the radio by this guy mitchell that uh -huh. he had died and he yeah in world war uh world war ii in New Guinea, and he was flying off. They was taking off on a bombing mission, and he did not have to go off being a major, but he always wanted to go out with his men, he said. And he was the lead plane off that, uh, that morning, early that morning before daylight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, it's kind of different stories about it, but, you know, I don't think they have kangaroos on New Guinea, but they got something similar. And it got on the runway, and he didn't have his landing gear pulled up, and he had all those bombs on that plane, and it flipped it over, mm. and it blew up on the runway and killed him. Uh. Of all the things to kill the man, and and when his men went over him, they all dropped a handkerchief or a flag or something, and went on off, you know, and had a good mission. But uh, yeah, Walter Winchell is who it was. I said Mitchell. Walter Winchell, she heard on him that uh, Kenneth McCuller had uh, had been killed in New Guinea. So I would say that would probably be my closest yeah. relative hero. You yeah. know? Well, as so. we close today's show, I want to salute my uncle who was married to my mother's sister. He died in 2014. Now, I knew Uncle Frank his you know my entire life until his passing Four years ago, I knew he had served in Vietnam, but I didn't know a lot about it because he didn't talk a lot about it. He was a quiet guy. And turns out it wasn't until his funeral that I did not realize. I knew he had been a medic in Vietnam, but I didn't realize that he had been awarded the Silver Star for service in Vietnam. Wow. He had served there and had saved numerous lives in an ambush in Tu Duc, Vietnam, and was awarded that. He got a Purple Heart. I knew he had been wounded during the uh, combat action there, but again, he didn't talk about it. I, maybe his son, who's my first cousin, knew, but I didn't know. And I'm a military guy. I love the military. And just now, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you, real heroes don't 
talk about it a lot. Well, he was a hero anyway for just being a medic. I mean, can you imagine going into combat, being a, a combat medic as, as he was? But, you know, I think it affected him his whole life. He was rather quiet. I knew he had a temper at times, if need be. He served for the local fire department there in Pillion, South Carolina. But, again, sadly didn't realize that. And even more sad, his wife, my aunt, she died like a month after he died. And they were both – I'd just Good. seen them two months before he died, and they were both gone in a month apart. So, And uh, that seems to happen a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he was only 60, 69 years old when he died back in 2014. Mm. Well, he had been through – enough to be 89 yeah, probably probably so and, and and medics are they're your best friend don't ever forget that if you're a soldier yeah yep. you know a medic is definitely your best friend and and, uh, and we're talking and about you, these two great heroes your your cousin my uncle and then we're we're also saluting sergeant york who ended up surviving world war one and the horror there and that's um, and lived and until 1964 jerry short thank you very much you have a good rest of your time in adamsville well, tennessee welcome and we're gonna go look at buford and his club I'm all sure. right i can't wait to and that's not the club that he busted up with the stick. Yeah. That's actually the club. Hey, just for all time's sake, sometime I'd like to get one of those clubs and beat you back up against the uh, head or wherever he liked to beat people. Ooh, man, I don't know. That looks pretty tough. I would be and walking I, tall, y'all. You would be most definitely walking tall if yep. you heard one-third of the stories of these McNary County people tell <laughs> that were around then. All right, Jerry, so, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoyed it. All right. See you. All right. Jerry Short. All right. We will say goodbye to you. We'll come back here tomorrow and do it all again. It's the Y'all Show with the General John Raw. Walking tall, y'all. We see it every day. They cut you off and they tick you off. It's called road rage, but they're not mad at you. They're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. 
As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. 